What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 398. My name is Steve. I'm one of the co-hosts. And as always, I'm joined by... Ron. I want to lick every inch of you. (laughs) (laughs) I I love that line. Oh, yeah. Yummy. Uh, Yeah, this is going to be a fun episode. John, by the way, I should also say my name. No, no, you're just a licking guy. That's what you are this episode. (laughs) There's no John anymore. That's probably not good. I'm going to call you the liquor. (laughs) (laughs) The liquor. Um, Yeah, this episode is going to be a fun one. We're going to go over the required viewing that I picked last week, which was the the Long Good Friday from 1980. Yeah. Um, And then, you know, a big thing happened between recording last week and this episode. Um, Basically, I don't think we actually discussed it on the episode last week, but prior to recording, we went into this long conversation about the Jonathan Majors trial and, you know, what what it was looking like, the, the stuff that was coming out. And uh, basically, there was a verdict handed down uh, between then and now. And we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, on this episode. And I guess the implications, I guess, for his career, for Marvel, you know, just this, you know, an open conversation about what it is, what happened and what it means. Um, And then just, you know, the bits and bobs at the end of the episode, uh, just what else we've seen in the last week. And and I think that'll be it uh, before we before we dip out for the holidays. But um did you guys want to say anything else at the top of the show? Anything you want to drop in there before we get into the into the meat of the episode here? No, no nothing, nothing, no, nothing special, huh? Okay. No, I think I think it's all going to come out as we go through this glorious uh, uh, menu of topics that we have before us. <laughs> all right, liquor. That's enough for me. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So require viewing. Last week I picked uh, the Long Good Friday. Uh, I just mentioned last week this was always something that. You know, you kind of come across those like curated lists of like top whatever movies, you know, top dramas, top crime, whatever it might be. And and it, any mixture of, you know, crime, drama, thriller. I, I know I've seen this movie on a number of lists and I've always kind of noticed it mainly because of a, a very young Bob Hoskins and Helen Mirren um, and even younger Pierce Brosnan has a quick scene in the movie having now watched it. But um, yeah, it was always something I wanted to watch. I, I really, really enjoy Bob Hoskins in general. Um, kind of came to him later in his career, you know, mainly to be honest with you, through exposure through like uh, Roger Rabbit and yeah. uh, you know, like Mario Brothers. Um, he was in Mario Brothers, right? Yeah, yeah, he was Mario. And I mean, I just feel like I went back he was and not, watched. He was Mario, yeah, I mean, right. He right. was, and I Steve. went back, and I'm so distracted him. by the licking. I'm sorry, John. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I went back and like watched a lot of his older movies, but this was always one that I don't know for whatever reasons I missed, and yeah, it just seemed like a good opportunity to watch, especially because I don't think any of us had seen it, um, and it was available on a easy, easily accessible streaming service, uh, as well. Well, that would be Max, but as well as the Criterion Channel. Uh, but I don't know where I don't know. If we talked about it. Did, where were you guys on this? Have you ever heard of this movie? And again, to confirm, you neither have had seen it, right? Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, cool, cool. I've never seen it, but I always see it on a list of like top British mafia movies, and then a lot of top mafia movie lists. Right. Right. Never. I've never seen it though. I think that's kind of where I was noticing it, something like that as well. But what, what about you, John? I mean, I guess I might be even more obscure than that. I I know that I like when you started to describe it. I was like, oh yeah, that movie. I knew that movie existed. I knew there was a movie that was Pierce Brosnan's first movie. Um, uh, I think he was 25 in this. And then wow. uh, that Bob Hoskins, younger, but you know, still already in that kind of playing a type of guy who's a little bit more um, 
like not 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 a standard leading man type, but but a but a guy who can really hold the screen and really hold the center of a movie. Um, and then Helen Mirren, who I think was an established actress at this point. So it's not like they were totally brand new at this point. But um, it's interesting to kind of go into that. You know, I think so often when we think of seventies, eighties crime thrillers, we think of the kind of classic American crime thrillers. We've watched one for this uh, series for required viewing. We watched Thief, the uh, Michael Mann film. You know, but the idea of like a stylish crime thriller from that era, I think that it was fun to kind of you know go across the pond and and like it didn't even occur to me there's probably this whole sea of british thrillers from that time that i'm not familiar with and and this really made me want to kind of dig into them but i can see how this movie may have sat as a kind of styles signpost for stuff that came after it and i can even see now how um you know british crime stories that i've seen on television and in movies uh, kind of not so much follow this as a pattern exactly but i could imagine how this would have been an influential movie to to th- just that de- definition of styles because it gets really sinister and really dark and uh, kind of downright scary at its at its at its worst moments but yeah. it's also um in some ways you know a familiar tale that we've seen of a kind of uh, a doomed criminal who's trying to go straight um, and just why he's doomed you, is well. That's why you watch for two hours to find out <laughs> why and how. <laughs> but but you know the Bob Hoskins part too was just fun to see it. Like this was a yeah, this was this was he's a he's playing. There's some rough stuff in this movie. Like there's one scene in particular that is maybe the best scene in the movie, um, in my opinion, um, which is the one that gets the most gory and the most personal. Um, that conversation on the boat uh, with Jeff. Um, and uh, I also I, f- I think the ending is really uh, oh my a, God. A, a cool unsettling <clears throat> ending. Would it would have been nice if they would have lingered on that ending to let us uh, really simmer in that moment a little bit more? Yeah, well, it would have been right. Yeah, if only they would have just <laughs> let us sit there for like you know ten more ten more <laughs> seconds and, and pondered their fate. But but, that, it would, but it did give you a chance to see that kind of face acting that yeah. you can see like yeah. uh, uh, there's a lot going on in Bob Hoskins' uh, face in that in that final shot. Man, um, can I say something real quick, Pierce? Oh, he's great in that last scene, too. All right, so I'm a straight man in the world. That's a gorgeous man. Oh, yeah. And when I saw him, he like... I was like, was he a, was he a model before or something? Like, I, I, he's like... You a, almost think so, yeah. <clears throat> he's almost too handsome to be a criminal. And when he's like holding the gun all the way, I'm like, man, okay, I get why he was chosen as Bond. Like... He was well, you also get, I thought I thought you were about to say I get why the I get why he was chosen for the for the bathhouse mission <laughs> for my college. Uh, <laughs> oh god. Yes. That was crazy as hell. Um so overall I guess what what did what did you guys think of it? I, I, I'm I'm super curious cuz this was like this was a little different than anything we've ever watched cuz this is like purposefully mafioso. This is like Honestly, this must have maybe felt like Scarface to them at the time. Like, I mean, or so, know, or or something, or something similar, kind like of a, a genre. Yeah, yeah. It's like it like it had this like style. It had a it had a voice. The soundtrack is unreal. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I downloaded the soundtrack. It's just really good. It, it, it's the instrumentation is just in, insane, and and maybe might be a little too like good for it almost like not not that the movie's bad but like i was just like this is spectacular i don't know why i'd never heard about the soundtrack before this yeah it um, had like a very jaunty almost kind of like big anthem kind of theme yeah for yeah. that for when he's walking when we first meet him i will say this um and i would love to know how you guys fared the first five or ten minutes of the movie pretty much until bob hoskins shows up 
I was I was fucking confused, man. Like I was, was like, something wrong with my sound. I just <laughs> well, I just I just it was you mean like was, the shot like going back to the guys at the table. Well, you know, and, it, yeah. when when it finally started going back to people, I started to feel like I was getting my footing. But I swear, <laughs> for a while there, it was just cutting to new people <laughs> for a while, and it would cut back. But then it would like when it cut to the guy with the scar who I came to love. Razors is one of my favorite yeah. characters. Um, but like uh, when it cut to him. The first shot of him was like a little bit into that sequence, and it's like, what? Here, there's a new guy, and he's got a scar. At least you can tell the people apart. Yeah. But um, but I do think that was I know something I noticed throughout the movie was that it would then go to a new segment, and there would be a few moments or scenes or events that you would then put together what what exactly was happening or the you know like who was behind it, and I think that that was. There's, there's some of that as a, a, a sign of sophistication, if a yeah. plot keeps you guessing. I, some of that is maybe a, a sign of a, of a movie that's edited a little bit in a confusing fashion uh, that could have been clearer. Because I think as the, as it goes on, there's all these dialogue scenes that make me feel like, oh, now I understand the last 10 minutes. Or now I think, I, especially that that final confrontation, I feel like that's when I finally started to put everything together. Yeah, and yeah, it, yeah, and sure. I, I don't know if I really understood why we were kept in the dark about the particulars up to that point. But I did kind of like how it was like a small event not a small small of it but like that it's like this guy's you know this whole empire is being threatened and every plan he has for the future is being threatened by sort of a random set of coincidences that just didn't didn't go his way go well yeah i thought that was kind of interesting what, what how did you guys did you did you feel at all confused in the beginning and and, and when did you get your footing if so I, I don't think i was confused in the beginning like i feel like i just was like uh wondering well i wasn't confused but i was curious as to what was going on like i feel like when you start to piece the film together like you start to learn more about you know what is actually happening those scenes make a lot more sense you Mm -hmm. know especially the movie opening on like that scene at the table with the house and all that stuff like with the with the men at the table like that all made a lot more sense outside of honestly outside of that opening sequence like it's it's like you're you're seeing something that's happening like over here and you don't really understand it yet yeah, yeah. you know it's going to have some big impact on this story that's going to come it's sure. like the snag that like you know yeah. causes it to come undone you know yeah. and i think that that is and that glass breaking like sound effect was insane <laughs> yes yes and i think yeah. that's kind of like that kind of approach to it i i kind of love personally because i feel like it kind of keeps me on my toes it's like wait what what was that again like it was that Colin? Oh, that was Colin. Okay, and what was this? And you're starting. I don't think it feels sloppy to me. Um, it feels more like just kind of keeping the cards really close. Like you know, yeah. you recognize characters that were there. The more you see them later in the movie, and yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. I just feel like uh, overall, you know, I I was like beyond the beyond my attraction to the movie mainly from Bob Hoskins, like. I, I love these kinds of movies. Yeah. You know, what you said, John, is the key for me is like is like the criminal who's trying to go straight, yeah. you know, or he's trying to legitimize the business to kind of set up the future of the town, of the men and women around him. You know, it's it's like this grand idea yeah. that he thinks he has the means to accomplish. And it's undoing is, I mean, really something completely out of his control. To the Let's point call that it he Stringer Bell buy- syndrome. <clears throat> Stringer, there you go, Stringer I'll, Bell syndrome. I was listening to Smartless very recently with Taika Waititi, and oh, I watch wow. a ton. I watch a ton of yeah. British movies for some reason. I and and he said something that stuck with me. It's like drilled in my brain. He said that we need more handholding than any other audience, and right. I do. 
I'm not going to lie to you. I needed some hand-holding. And what, a, what an American movie probably would have done is that while that was going on, it would have been like Bob Hoskins, <clears throat> like, hey, this is Jakey. He's my friend. He go, you know what I mean? Like, explain it a little bit to me. But the way there's, like a, there's did, like a narration or a voice. Yes. Yeah. And he was saying, like, when he makes movies for Americans, he literally has to make movies like that. It yeah. almost has to, like, over explain it because people are really uncomfortable with the first act or so being like. There's a reason why this is all happening like this. And I needed that. But yeah. when I relaxed a little bit, because I get I got I, I thought. <clears throat> that something was wrong with me at first. I was like, <laughs> am I having a panic attack? Like, I, I'm, I'm like, literally like, what is happening right now? Why are these people doing this? Um, but then also another thing I'll say is like, this is on a mono track. Uh, this movie was on a mono track. And there's something about mono tracks that are kind of magical. All the sound is there. It's not, mm. it's not thrown around in stereo. Like it, it doesn't, it has to be mixed almost perfectly in order for you to see the movie as it was intended. Right. Well, when, well, when something's mixed in mono, it's all re just relative volume levels. That's yes, it. Like, that's there's exactly. nothing else. So it it's just like, is what it is. Something's louder than something else in yeah. the mix. That's why you can hear it better. So yeah. it is, it is. I mean, that's why sometimes mono music can sound really punchy and really jump out of the speakers yeah. because it's like, everything's just very direct. It was just um, really fun watching a mono. I love mono tracks. And, <clears> and like, you know, every once in a while I'll be like, well, I'd rather hear it in, you yeah. know, stereo, I'd rather hear it, but it really was punchy. Like when you heard that, like you said, the glass breaking, I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, because it's also, it goes into some like space reverb delay, something. There was some weird effect that it went on it. But I, and I thought the whole movie was going to be that crazy, but that was really the only moment yeah. that I remember being that, that insane. The car um, crash kind of had that too. Like they yeah. were at, there was definitely some added, like, Two cars hitting each other don't make the sounds of that. That well, and that explosion was was the kind of the, you know that's such a movie thing. But I I really loved the setting of the um the box at the race the, where the guy was eating, and I thought that whole scene was just the look and feel of that room was really cool. Like I kind of wanted to hang out in that room. Uh, until the guys with shotguns ran in, of course, you know, then mm -hmm. I was like, I'm glad I'm not there. But I just thought that was a cool staging of a scene, and I think there were lots of moments in it that felt very much like, oh, this is a cool, you know, what you want to see from this kind of movie. They 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 scoped out like it feels kind of Hitchcockian or something. It feels, like yeah, sure. you know, a set or a scene that everything is is very designed and orchestrated for cool visuals, cool angles, um, and and you know, I I I think this is also. Um, you know, it's kind of a '70s movie that got held over. Like, I, th it, mm. I think it sat on the shelf for a couple of years or something. Oh wow! Didn't it? Or did I read that? I think it was I'm maybe sure. made a couple of years before. But the the other actor that I did not know was in it. Um, that was Belloc, right? Colin was. Um, uh yes. Paul Freeman, yeah, yeah. So that's Belloc from uh, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. <clears throat> Ah. the bad guy from that and i think but i th there's lots of people that are kind of fun to spot like that in it but he was the main one um no i enjoyed uh i enjoyed this i do think that it was what, what i'm kind of referring to as well uh, as far as that kind of opening stretch being a little bit odd is just the way that it was shot and the way that it was edited i honestly feel like it had a sort of weirdness artiness to it, it that was yeah. that was something i typically respond to. So even if I was a little confused, I was definitely like totally engaged and I was totally ready. And the moment that we cut to Bob Hoskins is when that music you're talking about kicks in, Ronald. And that's like when the movie really feels like it starts. And so yeah. I would say, to, with all due respect to like, I think you're right, 
that it's like it's part of the deliberate aspect of it that the opening stretch is a little bit more off-putting but i also think that like there's always a way to have like for it to have felt like it went up that much of a notch when we finally are with him maybe that was just me realizing i had rented the right movie or no that i was it was, it was on max you're right but it, but when i started watching it it was such yeah. an anonymous like uh opening sequence it was. and there were nobody i recognized maybe that's part of what that opening yeah. sequence did to me was that i was like wait where's i know this it's has like got pierce Brosnan. in the middle it's like handmade films i'm like yeah. is, what is, is this really and, and i i swear i missed his name and maybe Helen Mirren's name in the opening credits too. And so I was looking at all these oh, wow. names that I did not recognize. Like okay, I looked yeah, away yeah, yeah. and came back. And so I really was like, "Am I even watching the right movie? <laughs> or did is this some weird thing where the, you know the link on Max goes to the wrong movie?" Um, yeah. But no. But as soon as I saw him, I realized, "Okay, no, I'm definitely watching the right thing." And I realized I had not seen him. I've seen him a few years later than this, uh, but I had not really seen him at this point in his career. So I'm actually very interested in maybe trying to figure out what what he did around this time as well, and you know, yeah. branching out from there. So I feel like a young guy, Richie, saw this movie mm-hmm. and was like, hey, I'm inspired. Absolutely. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to totally. pluck. If you look at the cast, they literally plucked all these people out of this movie and they're in all, if not most of Guy Ritchie's movies. It's crazy. It's crazy how many people he was like, boop, boop, I like you. Boop. You were in my favorite movie growing up. Boop. You know what I mean? I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying this, this yeah. just feels like something he would love because it has like the style that he, he embraces the dialogue and Helen, can we talk about Helen Mirren mm. for a second? Gorgeous, gorgeous, yeah. gorgeous, gorgeous. And his acting her ass off. She's, there's this power that she's, it's, it's funny when you see, you know, Bob Hoskins kind of going around being tough. You kind of realize that there's somebody in the background that's, that's keeping him afloat. Yeah. During all this stuff. And I love to see a thug cry, man. I love to see a guy going through it. You know, sometimes you watch movies and people are just heartless and not feeling the emotion of it. When he found out that his friend died and when he had to do what he had to do, like there was some real emotion. I like, I mean, I I don't want to see his feet. I don't like feet, but I love to see him crying in the shower and feeling all the emotion of it. I hated to see the water go on his feet. I hated to see the feet, the zoom in on his feet. His big toe was a little, the nail was a little too big for me. Uh, but yeah, I, I just really loved. <laughs> That's a tough man's toe. It's a tough, yeah, it is. He's got no time for those feet, Ron. A strong man. What, what do they call yeah. it? Over, don't they call in England, don't they have a, a strong man or something? There's a type. I think it might be a strong man type. That's a strong man's toe. <clears> so a lot of asses being kicked by that that toe. No, yeah. I think you're right, though, that like, um, I, I would even say the vulnerability of the character I, it, within a few moments of everything kind of going bad, he's mm-hmm. in the car with, uh, I think it's, maybe it's uh, Razors he's in the car with, but maybe it's the other guy as well, but he's kind of in the car and it's like, I, I made a note of kind of what you're talking about, Ronald, because he says like, what, am I just not thinking of something? Do I have yeah. an enemy or something? Like just the way he says it is like, he's am I so not, taken aside by it. Yeah. And, but, but he's not, he's not quite whiny, but he definitely is right. Like off his game and a little bit like vulnerable and being, being very candid. Like, and also it's one of those moments where the script that the character saying exactly what you are sort of assuming the character is saying or, yeah. or, or thinking. Thank and I think sometimes yeah. that can be an effective way to, to put you in, especially with kind of a blunt force character like this, to see him actually yeah. thinking out loud and saying, um, Am I am I not remembering who who would want to do this to me? You know, and you forgot um, and we, about the million dollar computer that he need to calculate <laughs> what was going on. Did you? That was a crazy yeah. line. I love that so much. It really felt like a 
oh man, he must be really feeling this. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I think I, uh, you're right. The, the idea of a guy struggling and the guy kind of being off his, on, you know, on, on back on his heels. I do think that that kind of to what you were saying too, Steve. That archetype, that character who's like, who's got a lot to lose, and and you see him kind of losing it right when he's getting close to making the or thinks he's about to make the deal that's going to, you know, you know, push him forward. Yeah. Um, you almost hate to see a guy like that fail, and then you realize, oh, what a, he's he's actually not a good guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just cutting people's butts and, and bricks and <laughs> like what the hell kind of torture is this? It's cutting butts. <laughs> cutting the guy across the cheeks yeah, with a machete. Cutting, cutting butts. Cutting butts. That was a clean cut too, man. What was that guy's name? Okay, he had like a crazy name. Uh no, well, Razors was the guy who did it, but I'm thinking yeah. of the guy in the apartment. Um yeah, poor uh, guy. Yeah, somebody. Errol. And I think he's kind of racist too. Like there was like some some like some dialogue that was going on when he was talking to the guy. I'm like, oh, there's there was. I felt like there was tons of racism and yeah. And... Well, particularly when he was like talking to him about it, he called him a beast. That was crazy. But then he was like, kind of kind of implied that she was making a mistake by fucking a black dude. And yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. It's like whoa, this got this got crazy real well, quick. Well, also when the kids of uh, different races came up to him at in at, in the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and he was like, "This neighborhood used to be better before all the scum came," and I was just like, "Again," but I think again that's this movie doing that seventies. You know, yeah. really, this is it feels like a seventies movie for that reason. The guy's loathsome, yeah. and he's like, "You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to admire him, or if you admire yeah. him, it's against all the feelings you have about what." you know, what you see him doing and what you see him saying. So I think that, like, that was a deliberate move to comment on the type of, this type of character. But as we've said before, like, sometimes you still question, like, why do we need to add that layer on to a story? I think at the time it might have seemed more like dealing with something that needed to be dealt with. But in retrospect, it can seem like a way of still marginalizing the black characters to these odd roles. Like when that, when they, when that guy's under the car working and they come up, I just got so nervous. I was like, well, how bad is this going to get? I was relieved that it only got as bad as it did. Honestly, I kept thinking this movie was going to take a a turn towards again, in the name of making the characters look bad. But I thought, I thought it was going to go pretty bad. And then of course he does, he knocks that woman around, which is always awful. And I feel like movies of this time just show that, that as though that's just something that happens and we're not supposed to make a, too much of a judgment about it. I don't know. But, or maybe that's another thing that's supposed to be like squarely in the, we're supposed to hate this guy camp, but it always is presented in that like forties movies way where it's like, yeah. Oh, people just slap each other back and forth sometimes when they get upset, you know? And now that, now that seems utterly insane. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah. <clears throat> um, one of the things I wanted to say, you had already kind of touched it a little bit when when you mentioned Guy Ritchie, but um, like watching this movie, especially the, the mainly seeing Bob Hoskins kind of like walk into the movie. And this is an actor who has been in Guy Ritchie films. But all I could think of, whether they remade this or just the, he kind of carries himself such in such a similar manner to the way Bob Hoskins did. It even kind of built the same as um. You guys know Stephen Graham. Oh yes, when you I, I was about to say if Steve doesn't yeah. say Steve Graham, then this is. Yeah. I was like the whole movie. I was like, this is Stephen Graham, like a, a character that he could play and kill. Like he'd be amazing in this kind of role. And he and he and he's in Snatch, obviously, and he's in other movies where he kind of plays a version of this character, whether yes. it's the head guy or you know uh, an underling or whatever. But 
he's that character actor that I always see and I love. And I again, I watch a movie. I watch him. We, we 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 we've had a movie the one of the that, that sci-fi movie that we, I picked that he was or you may have picked. Remember that one with the um oh yes. the, where he he was the, he with was the, the guy with that the ball with the... yes. That was such a good movie, man. He was like he was like the villain. Remember, he was yeah. So he like, and I'll always watch area. it if he's in a movie. And I was like, if they remade this or did something like this, he I was like, he's it. the perfect guy, man. Yeah. Well, when you say that, Steve, I'm thinking totally about when he played uh, his his role as Al Capone on oh, Boardwalk dude. Empire. Oh, and I actually, man. I just pulled up the quote. I love yeah. that that season that ends with him rolling in he's like when al capone is like the cavalry you know like yep. you know he's a terrible guy you hate him but then he's the <clears> one he's going to save nucky's ass at the end of one of the seasons and he comes in and he says we've been on the road for 18 hours i need a bath some chow then you and me sit down and we talk about who dies that's it <laughs> and, and, and you've never been happier to see a, a like a you know a, a villain terrible, yeah. yeah a villainous yeah. character like that no i i t- when you were saying it i was picturing him and then when i was starting to think oh yeah no this is a specific guy that I'm picturing, and then yeah, I went as totally you were. Th- yeah, no, totally right. And, and it, you know, the Guy Ritchie thing is dead on. But I also think there's just that tradition of kind of British crime that you can kind of see going to this, where it does get real nasty real quick, but it's kind of over fast, and then you're back to the sort of, you know, kind of patient pacing and tone. Um, but I thought this movie had a certain kind of style to it as well. And I don't think that when I mentioned Michael Mann earlier. Um, I was like, this isn't like totally analogous to Michael Mann, but it's not totally right. a million miles away from the kind of uh, thing he I, would I be doing. I think that's on. I yeah. think you that's know, good here for sure. It's, it's like a moody kind of slow-paced uh, thriller that is not trying to be retro. It's trying to be of the moment. It's trying to feel modern for its time. Yeah, sure. All right. Uh, who's next? Well, who's next? Oh, that's me. Yeah. Um, well, you know, this this one is one of those where a thought leads to a thought, and I, I have my list of movies that I've, I I always, I'm like, one day I'm going to watch, and I've I've stopped watching those movies because I think I'll get to them on this show. So there was some, recently I was talking to some friends, and, you know, I don't know if it ever comes up with you guys since we do this podcast, but if you ever talk to a friend that listens to the show, it's always very flattering when you find out somebody listens to the show, for one thing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there was there was talk of, like, me as someone who seems like I, I've, I've seen every movie or I try to see every movie, and so it's strange um, to these friends of mine that I haven't seen the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Um, what? I've never sat down and watched the Rocky Horror Picture Show. I'm gonna um, have I'm gonna have to side with you on that. I don't know if I have either. Okay. Wow. And um and I don't think I'm ready to watch the Rocky Horror Picture Show, but I do want to watch a musical that has sort of like <laughs> horror overtones, um and uh, and maybe is from a similar era. So from right around that time, I don't know if you guys have ever seen this. This is a movie that comes up a lot. I hear a lot of talk about it, but I'm ready to see it. Uh, it's one of Brian De Palma's early films. It's actually the seventh movie he directed. Uh, but it's still kind of in his early days, um, and uh, and it's got songs written by Paul Williams, who has written a lot of great songs. If you know Paul Williams's work, and he was a beloved, he's it is still with us, right? Paul Williams, I believe, um, a beloved actor and presence, and and just generally interesting, you know, clever guy. But Phantom of the Paradise uh, from 1974, it uh, you know can be described as a sort of horror comedy musical apparently oh, wow. and uh i've always heard that the songs from it are pretty good i've always heard that it's interesting i know a few people who think it's garish trash um and i also know many more people who seem to think that it's kind of a you know one of those little cult classics and maybe it'll be a stepping stone maybe if if i really enjoy phantom of the paradise maybe then i'll be ready for uh, the rocky horror picture show but yes 
from 1974. I hate to always give, you know, the 70s get a lot of action, 70s into the 80s, but, um, I, you know, I was looking at my list of upcoming options, and this was the one that I think is the most most blind spot for me, because I, I, I do hear a lot of chatter about it, and I know a lot of people that, that uh, you know, view it as sort of a, a cult classic, so... And I think it's out there. I think it's I think it's in many places. I didn't actually look to see, but I feel like it's one of those movies that's always it's always available. Have you? Did you just look to see where it is, Steve? Uh, yeah, I'm looking now. Okay. Uh, let's see the fan song. Yeah, it looks like it's on Google Play, Apple TV, Vudu, Amazon Prime. I mean, you know, for rental. But wait, why am I not seeing it? What am I typing on the Phantom of Paradise? Oh, there it is. Um, Criterion Channel, if you want to stream it. Get out of here. Yep, that's three Criterion. weeks in a row. Man, Man, the hat trick right there. But yeah, like John said, basically rental rental everywhere for basically $4 if you want okay. to rent it Cool. on every platform. Or if you happen to subscribe to Criterion Channel, it's available there to stream. So, I mean, even if you just went along with us for the last three weeks, you probably should have just signed up for a trial to the Criterion channel because... Yeah, for sure. <laughs> they had the last three picks. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, cool. Yeah, I've never seen it. I've heard of it. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing this. You had, you, had, you had me there for a second. I thought you were picking Rocky Horror. I know. I, th- I, I knew that that <clears> was going to seem that way, and I, I I felt like it was... It was it's funny, funny that even that happened because like I, I just had a long conversation about that movie like last weekend with some friends kind of around that same like who hasn't seen it or even heard of it or know what it is so it was yeah it was funny that you even brought it up um all right cool phantom of the paradise that's it cool. so that'll be the week i guess the week after christmas so yes. in, in in the new year uh we'll we'll reconvene and and get on to that uh pick all right, so moving along um, for this segment, we're going to kick it off. We're going to go live on location to Severn, Maryland, where we have our <laughs> in-place legal correspondent, Ronald James, uh, the, to break down the Jonathan Majors charges, yes. the case, and the outcome. Ronald, take it away. Yes. Before before I get into this, I'm going to say the part that we all agree with. The assault of a woman on any level is wrong. Uh Whatever the circumstances were, choosing physical violence is just not the answer. It's just not the answer. And uh, I think sometimes in talking about this, you can get caught up in the emotion of it. Um, We have all had varying degrees of proximity to abuse on some level, right? Everybody has. So um, I just want to say that before we start. And, I, I, you know, it's important. Sure. So... um, there were four charges uh, that the Manhattan prosecutors brought to uh, Jonathan Majors. Four, 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 four. four. Uh, reckless assault in the third degree, he was guilty of that. Harassment in the second degree, he's guilty of that. And then he's not guilty of uh, two more serious charges, intentional assault in the third degree, and aggravated harassment in the second degree. So maybe we should start with what those two mean the ones that he was charged with uh recklessly causing injury uh is essentially what he was uh guilty of in a reckless assault thing so basically he wasn't intentionally trying to hurt her but the circumstances whether he was intoxicated or his behavior 
caused him to recklessly hurt a person. That is punishable. It is punishable. It's a misdemeanor, but it's punishable by a year in jail if you're found guilty of it. And then the second one uh, that he's guilty of is harassment in the second degree. And that's like, so this is the one that they were trying, the aspect of this that they were trying to get him on, which they got him on, actually. Um, uh, He or she strikes, shoves, kicks, or otherwise subjects such other person to physical contact or attempts to threaten to do so. So he did that. Mm-hmm. So um, he's good to the other two. So the the more serious things, and maybe I should talk about that, which is you know, to to be said too, because like it's they didn't find him guilty of these two things. Uh, assault in the third degree is like uh, when you have the intent to cause physical injury to another person. He he causes such injury to such person or third person that causes like physical injury beyond like a scrape, uh, you know, a sprain. And it's intentional, essentially. So the difference is he was not accused, he was not found guilty of intentionally causing this this thing to happen to the person. And then the second, which is the aggravated uh, harassment in the second degree, um, it's acting with intent to harass um, and then there's like varying degrees of that. They give examples, but so apparently the level of harassment that he 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 showed wasn't wasn't as high as the aggravated harassment. But he did have some level of harassment which he was found guilty of. So it's 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 a little it's complicated. But but they basically threw some light stuff at at him. They threw some heavy stuff at him, and they wanted to see what was stick because he he is guilty of physically assaulting her on some level. So, you know, that's what happened. Two, two, two charges. So are are you, as I mentioned us not talking about it on the pod last week, but I know we talked sure. about it before we recorded. I feel like, I feel like last week you were pretty confident that he was going to be not guilty of any I of this was. stuff. And let me tell you, let me tell you what was the deciding factor for him. Yeah. This what is was what, that? what it was a text messages. So essentially everything up until that point was pretty set in stone that the jury was like, man, it doesn't feel like he's guilty of doing not enough thing. there. Right. Yeah. But him, his admission, um, because none of the footage really indicated that he, that he had ass- assaulted her to the point that she had described, right? Yeah. Or that he was being accused of. Um, but the text messages were damning. They, you know, it was a mission of, hey, you shouldn't go to the hospital. I'm a famous person. You know, I, you know, I hurt you, but this isn't a big deal. You'll be okay. You know, that, that's a mission of guilt. So mm-hmm. the, the 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 evidence that was shown before that i was i was pretty confident that he was going to get out but those text messages pretty much made the jury say oh man he did it and he yeah on, on some level you got to be accountable for what yeah, happened on some and level it's yeah. not the more severe things it doesn't sound like but i mean sure. it sounds like the level of severity has something to do <clears throat> with like premeditated or mm-hmm. intentionality or something mm-hmm. and i think that may be hard to prove um i mean i've been pretty uh, unsettled by this whole thing um just because of how like there's the there's the there's the sort of um clear cut matter of physical harm 
yeah. you know. And then there's the more nebulous kind of gaslighting of the texts that I saw that weren't even the texts that referred specifically to the event necessarily. I don't think there was some other texts that were just the, them, them back and forth that were talking more about like uh, them arguing back and forth and how you know, her saying I shouldn't have I shouldn't have grabbed your phone or I should whatever yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah. The, where it was just like it's it it totally read like somebody who was trying to uh, say oh I'm sorry I didn't mean to make you mad you know like it totally had that feel to it that yeah. air to it but I also think whenever that kind of communication pers- personal communication is shared you wonder what you know who's sharing it why is it being selected so so I always I always have a weird sort of queasy feeling about these types of things even now even knowing that there's the information that you've just revealed ronald of like what the charges mean and stuff i still feel like i don't understand enough about the situation to speak on it with any intelligence or empathy or or intel you know or or like like with any perspective because to me it seems like i you either have an opinion about this kind of thing and you tend to say um i mean i i don't think anybody's like there's not there's not much to say about it except wow that's 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 sad that's sad and horrible um and and it's a it's bad i mean it's like it's it's a bad thing to have happened to 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 the woman who, whose name i don't know if we know i, I hate to keep not grace mentioning. jabari grace jabari yeah um well i mean in that case you know i think it's it's a horrible thing and i think that it's like it is it, it, like the idea of prison time. I was wondering how likely he is to yeah, actually do it. His his legal team is already talking about appealing it. So I wonder what what prison time will actually be. But a year in prison, you know, at a time when your career was at this insane level, yeah, uh, really, really having like the year that an actor would dream of, um, and you know, uh, it it really is. I mean, like I'm I'm not saying like oh poor him. I'm just talking about it in the Shakespearean terms of like what a precipitous fall. Uh, that is in terms of like potential and then, you know, to, you know, bring yourself down, uh, stumble on your, you know, maybe not get out of your own way. Who knows? Again, I even, I, I, I just don't know what happened between these two people. I feel like there is some, some, uh, some weirdness with what was reported versus what was shown uh, in, in, that you were indicating, Ronald. But again, yeah. having not sat down and looked at all that stuff, I feel I feel sort of weird saying more than I even feel weird saying what I've said. Um, but I, but I think it's just, uh, you know, I, I mean, we literally, when this news broke, we literally were, I think we had just recorded an episode where we were talking about what a, what an act, great actor he was and how we love him and how he was having a moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. so, you know, it's just a sign that you really can't, uh, you can't get really too attached to, uh, <laughs> Any 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 other human beings' success uh, in in 2023? You have no idea what's happening behind the scenes. But I'm a little curious what you guys think mm-hmm. of the sort of more now that the st- I feel like we've avoided this topic because we didn't have the perspective of like the actual court case and the actual charges and everything. Now that we can kind of and now Marvel has parted ways with him officially, so now I feel like that conversation can it's appropriate to have that conversation about just what a gamble that the that company took on him and what a strange unprecedented thing it is even for them to say we're basing the next swath of these movies on the star power of this guy who we really have a lot of faith in so i'm not talking about like again it's not about oh the tragedy of of no more kang but i'm just talking about just from a movie watching 
standpoint, what a, what a bizarre predicament that puts uh, them in to say they had, you know, this felt like something they thought was a safe bet, clearly, because they had, you know, huge tent poles that are years down the road, uh, depending on this guy. Um, yeah. And they were slowly rolling him out and kind of building him up. So, you know, there is that conversation about what to do now. And I guess the, the, the fundamental question is, do you think they recast this character or do you think they roll in another Marvel character that could fit the bill and they could get ready by the time the next Avengers movies roll around that you would have this character in place of Kang. I think that everything's been pushed back enough that like, I, I don't think they recast this role. I, I, I feel like it feels like there was uh whether it was planned or not, or there was any kind of feeling about what was going on or, or honestly, or even like, you know, the, the, the read or the, the polling or just, you know, the feeling about Kang in general as the big bad of what was to come in the MCU. But I mean, I feel like Marvel with the, with Loki season two kind of sort of presented or, or gave themselves an out with, with Kang, you know, if they would want to pursue that. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying that was all because of the case and the charges against him. That could have also just been because, you know, of the performance of Quantumania, of just their feedback on people's understanding of the multiverse and the Kang variants and, there's been a lot of confusion as to like, you know, what that all is and what it means. And like, I don't know if maybe the bet they made was panning out even before the stuff happened with him and his personal life. Um, but now that it has, and it's come to this point and they have parted ways, like John said, I, I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't see, they've done it before, but I don't know that, I don't know that they can recast that kind of character. I don't know that, that they present. need to. I, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, the second that Loki season was wrapping up, I was thinking yeah, felt, they've gotten themselves to a spot where they could actually say, oh, yeah, we did Kang. We got a little yep. taste of Kang. We saw multiple versions of him. He was in two or three projects. He had an impact. Even if you're not thinking about why they didn't continue with him, most Marvel villains don't get the 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 sort of attention that Kang got. Do you know what I mean? So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Film over film, for sure. You, like you, it, it, it just feels like they could use that as something where they say, yeah, like that was it's done now. That wasn't the plan, yeah. but that piece is done. We've done that before where somebody's kind of hung around through a couple projects and yeah. maybe popped back up here and there. But really all that's been is like a fleece for a yeah. bigger thing that's been happening that we haven't even noticed or haven't paid attention to. And that's really the challenge of what they have to do is yeah. if they go the other route of, of a new villain, you know, people like I've been saying Dr. Doom and other characters, yeah. which I think would be awesome. But they have to be creative in how they introduce that idea and, you know, not just act like it was there from the start of right. this next phase. They got to yeah. be creative. Yeah. I, I think that the responsibility mm. to have a big bad is irresponsible. I think, I think what, what we loved about this whole thing with, with uh, Thanos is that it was a 10 year in the making thing, 10 years in the making thing that we saw. Right. Putting a big bad and plopping them in and being like, this is going to be the new Thanos, the new 10 year person feels a little weird because it's retreading. It's doing exactly what they did before. And I think that's kind of weird. I, I think we're at a place where we could do new stuff. So even when, it, like you said, like you guys are saying, like this would be like the Kang era. You can, we already saw it. We got to do yeah, Kang. Yeah. You can, you can, when we look at the phases now, you could be like, this phase was the Kang era. And then whoever comes after it comes after it. I don't think there's anything wrong with having a couple people. I don't. Why, why is that so crazy to people? Why can't we have a no, couple? What, what if Doctor Doom is like, 
I have some minions. It's going to be A, B, and C, right? Yeah. We follow those people. And then maybe maybe Doom comes around as the big person at some point. But, like, resting it on the same formula that we had literally 10 years ago is nuts. See, I don't think this is the same formula. I, yeah, it, but, I don't but, think so. But they because, want because, because we know that they didn't plan Thanos from the start, and they didn't throw him in. He wasn't a major character for several movies. Whereas with Kang, they were starting off with him as an on-screen character who's actually driving things. So, I mean, I, I don't think it maps onto that, but I do think what you're saying about... Um, to me, it's not so much about you can't do, you can't have a big bad that you set up. It's just that you can't bank too much on any of these things. Even if we didn't have the Jonathan That's Majors, a- what you were saying, Steve, like the fact that the box yeah. office and the the market and the interest level, that's the part that I think you can't bank on. You can't yep. say like, let's take a character. We, you can't make something out of nothing in that way, even if it's well acted and generally well liked by most fans. And I think a lot of people were excited to see where Kang was going, but there's nothing that makes that character like before this was announced, Ronald, you're a comic book guy more so than Steve, but maybe Steve, you can speak to this too. Like people weren't talking about how much they love Kang a couple of years no, ago. Right. I don't <laughs> it really doesn't they, matter. And even if they don't do a big bad right away, I don't think there's anything wrong with like a civil war two or something like that. Like no. there's nothing wrong with taking the pieces that you already have, maybe right. adding a couple more because people want the X-Men. People want the fantastic four. People want yeah. some miss Deadpool. Deadpool alone obviously is, shaking people to they're shaking with anticipation right even throwing in a couple people and just being like civil war too because that civil war really should have maybe been one or two films maybe two films it just well, felt the, like well the version in the movie was not what it was in the no. comics at all in the comics it was more of an epic thing yeah it was um, like an epic thing but but back you know i other than Doctor Doom, I mean, because Doctor Doom is the first one that comes to mind that mm-hmm. could be, you could basically take anything Kang would do, and you could just about put Doctor Doom in the same chair and have him making this, a, a similar speech. He wants to take over the universe, basically. You know, he's that kind of guy. Yeah. Um, so I think that could work. But let's say what you're saying is correct, Ronald, that like, maybe we don't need a model, we don't need this the same kind of... Uh, character that Kang was going to be. Um, what other? I was trying to think of this. What other? Even even a little bit deeper on the bench. What's the next best Marvel villain that has even anything close to that iconic profile? You know, I'm going to throw something out there. Galactus. See, but he's not the same kind of villain. I mean, he's he, not. But he's in space, and I feel like they still have the Guardian, the new version of the Guardians. I think. Yeah. No, I, I want to see Galactus, but I feel like Galactus is not going to be the guy who gets us into the whatever they want to do with the Secret Wars. Yeah. Which, which you know, if they if it's anything like the comics, there's two or different two different Secret Wars series for them to yeah. make it like. Sure. But you kind of need a villain at the center of that. Um, but I agree with you that like Galactus is sort of the, the next name you think of when you think of a villain that we haven't really mm. seen done on screen, um, and anything close to the way it's done. Maybe a comics. redone Apocalypse. I feel like the Apocalypse we got in X Men was just so poop. Um, well, the whole X Men thing, like I think Magneto is a good villain. Oh, Magneto! Um, oh my God! I see. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I love. I think Magneto is one of the better villains ever written. Mm-hmm. Now, if if he were to be a presence, I just I just am worried about. We need somebody like. Uh, he's a really well thought out character. He he has a depth to him that you need somebody that can really write that kind of thing for him. Yeah. I, you know, he, he was like very philosophical. You know, I mean, I know Thanos had pieces of that, but like Magneto was a force. I mean, he he literally like got 
many, many people to follow him and do, you know, big characters that kind of do his will, uh, mm-hmm. follow his will, follow his, his path. So I, I think you need somebody that's super charismatic to be him. Uh, you, you, you guys tell me the, the two that I keep seeing, and I don't know enough about either one. One's been lingering since WandaVision, but okay. uh, the other was just recently. So what what about um, Mephisto and oh, the Beyonder? Where where are those characters, and would they be possible replacements? Uh, the Beyonder is the next thing I might have mentioned because he ties into the Secret Wars in right. the comics. Yeah. He wasn't like explicitly a villain. He's more of like a guy who plays God and has all these. But you could totally make him into that kind of reality tearing villain. I mean, the thing that worked about Kang was that whatever they want to do with the multiverse, he he's a good villain for that because that's what he's connected to is right. time and different alternate paths. But the Beyonder is the kind of cosmic villain that could take you in that direction. Uh, Mephisto, I honestly don't have a lot of. I'm not that well versed in Mephisto but I know that he's basically like a, a devilish demonic character and so you could trace a lot of things back to him and kind of to what you were saying uh, Ronald about minions um, you could totally have Mephisto being like the guy behind the guy of mm-hmm. a number of characters just because he is kind of the devil right. I mean essentially isn't he like an evil yeah, like mystical demonic. character yeah. so yeah you could definitely have that character be um, uh, uh, th- this kind of like lurking evil that finally comes forward that we sort of build up to. He would be a good version of that. Um, Has Mephisto uh, been acting? This is a weird thing that people do. Like, people acted like he was, like, super active in the current comics. And I don't don't remember seeing him in anything within the past, like... I was surprised how much people latched onto that. I think they just did because of the Wanda vision, Wanda dark magic kind of connection. But it's true that, like you said, Steve, he's the kind of villain that you could just plug into a storyline because he's got a sort of an ambiguous power set. So you could make him, you yeah. know, you could put him, put him at the center of something big and, and make it feel like he's, he's the right scale. But also I feel like they've done so many of the characters they've made into household names have been these deep bench C list characters anyway, that like yeah. they could, any character they pull, they could just decide yeah. we're This is what they're going to go with because they you know, tons of, they have, they really, it's really just made me realize there aren't that many super iconic Marvel villains um, outside of that, you know, the, that handful, like every yeah. team or every kind of universe has its own kind of main villain. And then there's a lot of weird shit, like things like Stilt Man, you know, yeah. a, guy, a guy who goes around on stilts. Now, what would be interesting man, is if, presumably. if the government, if they do the government thing, they could technically use like the Sentinels as as like this, like, you know, maybe the government is is trying to suss out all the the mutants and stuff like that. And and uh, what it, what what's the word? What's the term they used before they got the license back? It was like uh, elevated people, Su- super, super. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, the yeah, term. I, so like, if if they do something like that, I think they might be able to kind of leverage kind of a blanket sort of presence like the the, the sentinels kind of s- sussing out these these superheroes and stuff like that i would i would like something like that that would also lead into the x-men storylines um but that still doesn't have that focus of like a charismatic character um but you're right that you could go like evil politician <laughs> even though, even though the, the, the x-men movies did that already sure. but th- that's still a powerful thread that idea yeah. of like a human adversary yeah who's, yeah who's scary because of how how powerful they are that's but that also it, starts to feel like um the boys that they, they get into politics and politicians right. too so i don't know yeah We'll see. I, we'll see. It could I got be one. Somebody... I, I got one more for you, and yeah. this is one that 
I, I don't know even if I'd, I don't know that I would want this uh, or if it would even make sense or I don't even know how it would work comically, like if it's in the comics anywhere. But a lot of Reddit forums have been talking, even since the finale, that uh, it that the pivot would be to have Loki be the, the last big villain of this phase. Is there any chance that could happen? Or is there any precedent for that in the comics? Well, I mean, Loki's definitely Loki's a villain. Villain for sure. Well, no, so no, no. Like, but I'm saying where we left him off at the end of season two, you know. Oh, could he make a what, pivot from there? Right. Oh, would, right. Would that, any of that make sense? Well, yeah, the, here's the reason why is because there's a multiversal element to him as well. So you don't even have to undo his status as some kind of, you know, time vessel mm -hmm. to say there's a version of him that's evil. Um, but if, But if that was seen as too cheap... The only thing yeah. I would think is that it would be too soon after that great ending they gave. Him. I think so. It'd be yeah. too soon after that to undo it. You know, <clears throat> I wouldn't. Ten years down the road or something, if they if they came back and said he goes he goes mad and yeah. you know has to be taken down, I, I'd be. I think that was fair play just because of the soap soap opera nature of comic book storytelling. But yeah. right now, it feels like they left him in such a cool place. It would be like undoing like the most poetic thing they've done <laughs> in the entire series just about yeah hey, i read these things and i'm like i don't think i want that if anything yeah. like if the, if anything if there was a way to bring him back into the story like as a key avenger of, of some kind or something yeah, yeah in future, right like that would be more that would be even more of an escalation that i think would only add to like his legacy in the in the in the mcu Right, I'd be cool with Sylvie. I'd be cool with Sylvie going nuts. I like Sylvie, man. I, I like, like Sylvie too much to want to see her go bad guy, though. That feels almost <laughs> like a repeat of Wanda. Like it's true. Like I'm actually interested true. in Sylvie being involved in whatever next big team they have. I mean, she honestly well, is one cool. of the characters I'm interested in seeing kind of make that yeah. trip. But here's the thing with with that is that like the the, the Loki television show still feels a little bit um, like it's in its own little. Uh, niche compared to the movies or compared to the cultural conversation about these things. So I wonder if the sense of how how huge that, that feels to us from watching the show, I wonder if the average person who might not have caught up with it yet has any sense that like, that's like a big event in the in the MCU that they that they just, you know, pulled off on this, this series that not a ton of people seem to be talking I, about. I heard an, another name thrown around, uh, Hank Pym. The Hank Pym could be somebody that could do it. Like, I guess the idea is like, since he's so smart, he's like, he gets a little frustrated with the situation. He's like, I'm gonna take over, and I can, I can move within the threads of the. You know, <laughs> I mean, I that, it would be interesting to see them do that. I don't think they necessarily need to make somebody go evil that we've seen before though that to me almost feels less interesting than just go all right. in like, what they what they were trying to do with kang and what i frankly think they were doing a good job of with kang which was making him an interesting kind of imposing kind of scary presence yeah. um i you know i would like to see them just you know do some version of that with a different person because i like that sense of like the gathering threat because mm -hmm. the main thing i like about that not so much the build up over movies or the thanos effect or whatever yeah. i just like the idea that these heroes are sort of catching wind of like you know like the end of quantum mania i know the the movie everyone hates but i really like how that movie ends with ant-man kind of half realizing that like 
he didn't really stop Kang. Like he's walking down the street and he has that moment where he's like, we, yes, really, we, we took it. care of it, didn't we? Yeah. Didn't we? I think we did. And then you see that he's not really sure what they did. He's not really yeah. sure that Kang can be beaten. I, I'm a little sad that that moment now is just sort of probably diffused because I liked that, that, that suggestion that you could be in the middle of, you know, one of these, you know, you could be one of these characters and seemingly fight somebody and win and then just have that sneaking suspicion that like, wait, I never really figured out what was going on or what their powers were or what they yeah. were doing. Um, right. So, so you know, I, I liked that feeling. I would like to see them kind of repeat that to some extent, this this idea that there's like a, a gathering threat. Uh, Terrence that, uh, Howard, have you heard that one? That he, <laughs> Iron, so, he, so he is the variant in Iron Man. Iron Man. In Iron Man. And then he goes to Ant Man. And then he, <laughs> and then you realize that he's been there all along. <laughs> oh my god, that would be interesting. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So uh, well, they have the they have their work cut out for him. That's yes, for sure. For sure. Uh, on many, on many levels, this is just one more, uh, one more problem challenge yeah. that they need to overcome. Yeah. And, right. Yeah. Know. Yeah. And I and I, I really do hope, um, in the future that I, I hope that Jonathan Major seeks out help. And I hope when this is all said and done, maybe five, six years from now, uh, when he has sought out some counseling and figured it all out, that he could come back in some capacity, maybe. Um, I don't know what's uh, – he, I think he's done, though. I think he's done, though. Can I, can I say done, though? Done, though. I mean, it's pretty un- – the, the, the picture you start to get of, of a – Who he is I mean- and what – I mean, it's 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 hard to say though because you are getting like this. You are getting like a sliver of the story. But I, the, the picture that I started to get of the guy really did, like, disappoint me compared to you know just because, yeah, like I said, sure. just days before we were we were talking about how much we love him and stuff. And yeah. I think that's always a danger when you start to root for somebody as a human and not just as a creative no, force. No, no. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I, but yeah, I hope he gets better. Like it's I don't want to throw anybody stuff. away, man. You know, I, I'm not into that whole throwing people away thing. But also think that people who do bad shit should get punished right. too. That's yeah, the thing. definitely. So, but I mean, if, but to to this point though, if someone does get sentenced to a year in prison and they serve their time and they come out, you know, that's on. I mean, I've always, that's something I've always thought, like, we have to at least seriously consider yeah. is that, like, if the premise is doing your time is doing your time, yeah. that has to, that also has to count for something. Um, it has to, in, man. in our culture, right. So, so what do you think about this overall comparison that this is what happens to Jonathan Majors versus other stars who've had Love. things come up and, and I do think the situation is hard to compare because there's not a clean comparison to almost any other situation no. I, it, they actually did what Marvel did what Disney did is just the same thing that Warner's did with Ezra Miller which was finish releasing what we have shot with this person with no intention of going any further with them you know and then mm-hmm. announce we've cut ties in a soft or in a hard way but either way that like the Ezra Miller situation is like they couldn't reshoot the the movie around a new actor and release the movie they had they couldn't really right. reshoot the Kang stuff around Jonathan Majors so they so they just got it out before they had to make the decision that they just made this week you know yeah. so it's Ezra's like way I'd, worse than than Jonathan Majors and me like they let him cook like he was breaking into people's houses beating up he beat up several women and they were they were well, outside, no, but but that so, but there was yeah. the problem with Ezra was that the people that could have come forward with those allegations yeah didn't, didn't come forward yeah for whatever reason that there was that the, they didn't have anybody that wanted to come forward and accuse them of um of the right. of the stuff that 
is arguably worse, you know, but the stuff we have on camera that's seemingly worse. Um, But I feel like in both cases, like I said, I'm talking about the corporate side of it. I think what they did was they, they, they hedged their bets on releasing what they had put thought and money into and then they kind of quietly can end their relationship with that person or in the case of Jonathan Majors it's big news but you know they could have quietly phased that, that character out and not had to say we're firing him but um and I don't know the, the, there's other people like Jeremy Renner has some stories about him and you know Josh Brolin has some stuff Josh about Brolin. him and and I think that stuff is like I, that to me again here's the difference there that stuff falls under the happening uh, outside of contract outside of like this stuff they're doing with the person putting the so it's like there's not really a clean comparison to say like oh they're treating jonathan majors differently than they're treating these other people but it does you know the idea like what you're saying about all the awful stories you heard about ezra miller um the fact that the fact that there's not like more evidence or more charges, official charges against someone like that is is somewhat surprising, even if you don't compare it to other people's situation. So I'll I'll say this just just from my perspective, um, the the issue is when when somebody says like, "What does race have to do with this?" Race has everything to do with everything. It's it's the adjustment that you make when you see somebody that's black or you see somebody that's Asian, or you see somebody that's, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it matters. It, it plays a part. And I know that it's hard for somebody who isn't black to understand that, but people make adjustments. And, you know, there has been in the past a history of laws applying to people differently, depending on the race and, and class of the person. So that's even, even if, they saw Jonathan Majors do a wrestling move on a person on camera. There will always be this like, but what about this person? They didn't do this to this person because is it because he's white? Is it because, you know, that's always going to be an argument. I'm just saying that in 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 the community, that is always going to be an argument. It doesn't matter what you say. And it's going to be in my head. It, me, a person who has um an advocate for 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 women in these these situations i'm just saying that is a real thing it's a real perspective that is culturally a real thing and it it doesn't really apply to anybody else but us like it's a perspective that no one else really understands except for people who have been systematically oppressed for as long as we've been in the united states by hook or crook and any other place that black people have put, been put in the history of the world. You know, it just, it just is a thing. It doesn't mean that it's right. It doesn't mean that it's all rooted in anything every single time, but it plays a factor. Race plays a factor in everything under the sun. So, you know, it's, it just, that's my perspective. I don't think that it's right. I, I think Jonathan Majors is guilty, but there are so many other people that have done things. Why did the state, charge when when they've been situations where people have seen violence committed why why didn't the state choose to press charges against those people the way that that she didn't press charges the state pressed charges they they said damn that happened let's press charges so that's weird i mean it's it's a thing it's a real thing Mm. i don't like it doesn't feel good it's a conversation that needs to be had I'm a black man. I see it. 
And I still think that he's guilty. I looked at, I'm like, get this motherfucker out of here. Like, he's guilty. But, like, there's so many people before him that have done way, way crazier things that have not suffered the same consequences. But you, you're not supposed to, but I'll say this. This is the last thing I'm going to say. You shouldn't do it anyway. You shouldn't be hitting on people anyway. And just, and I can't say, oh, well, those people didn't get caught. Doesn't mean that you should be, he should get this grace because he's black and committing the same crime that us, or his white counterpart has done and not been suffered the same consequences. Just don't, right. hit, just don't hit people. That's it. I'm done talking about it. But what, what do you guys think? <laughs> I didn't mean to just drop that on. I mean, but it's a real thing. It's a real thing. Like, no, you're good. You're good. You're, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I think in general, the idea of it existing, the conversation around whether you're white, black, Asian, any, anything, like, I think the perspective of anybody assaulting anybody is not acceptable. You know, men, women, I, period. Like, I, I don't yeah. care, honestly. Like, I feel like, especially when we're talking about, you know, creatives, actors, actresses, writers, yeah. directors who get to do a job like this, who are fortunate enough to be successful in an industry like this to, you know, to be afforded the opportunities that they get or find the opportunities that they, and in a lot of cases, they've worked their asses off for. Yeah. But like the decision to do something like that, um, you know, whether or not charges are brought against you or not. And I think that's the Miller thing. I mean, I, I think their career is over, you know, like I, I yeah. you know, I, charges or no charges you know whatever warner brothers decided to do how they handled that situation <clears throat> i don't think that you know uh, what do you call it like the court of public opinion or you know like it yeah. is one thing you know and the other thing is like it is the town you know i, I think their career is over you know yeah. it, it, whether or not the flash was a hit not a hit even if it was a hit i don't think yeah. it had any impact on whether ezra miller is going to be working a lot anymore i think yeah. that is that i think that ship has sailed for them and, you know, I think that that going the way it did, Jonathan Majors or anybody else you want to choose, there's definitely precedent of a lot of actors and actresses, uh, you know, really having no accountability or, you know, any kind of uh, what do you call it, um, consideration for what they were alleged or charged with or whatever scale it was in, whether it was an actual yeah. court case or charges or just reports or comp I don't know. I just feel like anytime that comes into conversation, it kind of I always receive it with a feeling of like this is this this makes me look at this person differently, yeah. you know, and especially when you start to see uh, and it kills me because like I fucking love Jonathan Major. We, John said it three times already. Like, yeah, it's really, really hard to see those things when it came out months ago when you see like a young black star coming into this industry you know, just kind of knocking it out every chance you see him. And then that to happen, you know, it's it it sucks for so many reasons, but it does not suck as much as somebody being assaulted. Right. So it's like Correct. that doesn't matter at all. We're talking about movies, yeah. you right. know, and I mean, that's why I said away. the only reason that we can even have this conversation is that we finally can talk about this with some sense of closure yeah, on what yeah. what's happened as a result yeah, of it because yeah. before it always felt like not really our <laughs> and it still doesn't quite feel like our uh, our purview to get into this stuff too much but I do think periodically over the course of the show we have because I mean we talk a lot about the Marvel stuff sure, we talk a sure. lot about the movies this guy was going to be involved in we were talking about Creed 3 I think when this sto story was percolating so um, yeah. you know he's one of our guys in a sense and so yeah, and, uh, yeah it definitely is a, a, a shocking and kind of disappointing 
situation. But yeah, I don't, I don't really have much else to add to the, um, to the overall discussion about it, except just to underline that like there isn't really there isn't really like a a basis for comparison on almost any level uh, like outside of the fact that um, prison time is pretty extreme. Whenever someone does, you know, Robert Downey Jr. went to prison. There's a yeah. few other actors that we know of who face prison time for the things they've done. And um, it doesn't necessarily mean the end of your career. I guess it depends on the crime that you committed or that you were accused of. Um, but uh, it's a pretty, it's a pretty, in, you know, intense thing for a celebrity of any stature, you know, for that to, for that to happen. Um, that feels, yeah. those feel like real consequences. And, um, yeah, I don't know, like the Ezra Miller thing, I think you're right, Steve, about the career probably being over. I wonder if that will seem like enough consequences or if there'll be some redemption tour at some point or what's happening with someone like that. But uh, there are some people who you just kind of want them to go away after, after yeah. what we know about them, you know? Uh, and I think Ezra Miller's kind of in that zone for me, <laughs> where it's yeah. like I, whether whether it's uh, official charges or not, uh, you know, I, I, that it seems it seems fine for them to go away. <clears throat> yeah. And I, honestly, even with Ezra, like Ronald said, with for Jonathan Majors, like I, regardless of what happens with their career or charges or you know any work in the future, it's like this is still a person, you know. So like you yeah. know, you hope that they still find you know, help or support if they, if they seek that out, you know, to, to, to better them, even if they don't exist in this bubble of Hollywood that we see them in, you know, they're still alive in this world. And if they can be better for it, you know, like that would be great. And I, and if that supports there, I know there was a lot of that stuff like around the flash release, like the studio trying to help them out. Like, you know, that was a bit of the PR narrative, at least for, yeah. for Ezra. But if that's real and that's true and that's happening, that's that I think that's a good thing for them. It doesn't mean that I feel like they should be in movies anymore or have that privilege if that's the way they handle their celebrity and and kind of abuse it. Yeah, <clears throat> on multiple levels. But imagine yeah, if so. we actually th imagine if we actually thought that the. Uh, there was such a thing as a, like a rehabilitative uh, uh, penal system in the United States instead yeah, of right? just Man. purely punitive yeah. and you know inhumane. Um, which I think is why we have such conflicted feelings about this whole situation. Like that's why prison yeah. sounds like such hell is because it does seem like it's not even really set up to do the thing that no. it supposedly is set up yeah. to do. They um, say it's going to be, and you know, having people that are that are in the system, you know, that just didn't have the representation to 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 get to the point where they could, you know, thank goodness, yeah, people have representation that could represent them. You get a public defender. That doesn't care about your case. You can get ten years for something that just you you weren't even near, you know. So like, yeah. just uh, the fact that Ezra is in the place that Ezra's in, and Jonathan's in the place that Jonathan's in, is privilege. There's a there's a level of privilege that we're we're kind of getting at that we're you know we haven't said out loud. Regardless of my feelings about the race of it all and all this, there's a privilege to being able to pay a lawyer a couple hundred thousand dollars to just get a year. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, that's, that's privilege within itself. So yeah, no, you're right about um, that. Like a year. Yeah. Right. Right. It's crazy. <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that sums up the, uh, the whole conversation right there. It's crazy. Sure. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. <clears throat> um, but yeah, we'll see what comes. I mean, I'm sure this conversation is not over and, yeah. uh, you know, and especially, 
you know, things that we talk about pretty regularly on the podcast with Marvel and everything. So I'm, yeah, we're, I'm very curious to see what they decide to do. And uh, I do think that them kind of hitting the brakes is only helping them kind of figure this all out. Sure. Which has all happened already. You know what I'm saying? T- you know, like, you know, reducing the shows, reducing the movie output, delaying all these things that yeah. are happening. It, it sounds really bad, but I think in the long run, like we talked about on the state of the industry podcast, like it, it just feels like it could be something that gives them time to try to fix it or try to make it the best possible thing that they can do with it at this point. But uh, we'll see uh, what that looks like. Yeah, man. Um, I, I, you know, we're going to move on the bits and bobs. I want to just say my first one just because it's a perfect in the conversations that we just had, like just okay. about, you know, the prison system and race relations and, you know, class systems and all this stuff. There's a Max documentary series called Murder in Boston. Uh, Roots, what's it called? Roots Rampage. And Reckoning. And Reckoning. Um, that was directed by uh, Jason uh, uh, Jason Hare, uh, the guy that did The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan series. Um, and he also did the Andre the Giant documentary for... Oh, Rear. wow. But anyway, this is a three-part docuseries that's on Max now. The last episode aired this week. Mm-hmm. Um, th- th- this is basically, this follows a true story of a murder that took place in Boston. I want to say in eight, 1989. Yes. Um, it was, a reported as a, a shooting of a man and a woman in a car, a carjacking robbery that had gone wrong. Um, I- I'm not going to go too deep into what happens in the show. Cause I think it's a really great true crime series. I, I want to highly recommend it. Um, but mainly just because it really dives over the course of, you know, three hours, roughly into some really enlightening and, uh, interesting history of the city of Boston and the police force and the government there. Um, and, and how the, the, the busing system took place in the seventies, um, and its impact on the criminal justice system there and the prison system and there's just a lot of layers to this documentary series, which, you know, the, the hook is this true crime element of a, of a, of a murder uh, and the investigation that preceded it or that followed it. Um, but it's kind of like really neatly and uh, intricately handling those conversations about race and class and government and and police really and, and in um, a way that's very emotional too yeah like, it's extremely yeah I and, mean, and the, it's like so, some of the some of the talking head interviews that you get that devolve um, the people <clears throat> the people that it actually right. affects and you know, but i mean like, but but the way that the the interviews pop up in this like that of like certain stories evolve and you get a sense of like how this one person did a thing that affected this that affected yeah. this other huge thing and then you kind of come back to those personal stories at different points and i thought that was yeah. a really cool you know that that's always the thing that makes any true crime documentary now worth its weight or not is like what does it bring to the table um it can't just be the even though you can enjoy a creepy story uh of of something bad happening um if it's well if it's well delivered you know um that always feels kind of empty if that's all that it was and sometimes you feel it feels a little cheap um and a little um I don't know, exploitative, but like, what's it about? And I think this one has a really, what's it about is like really what's it about almost more so than the case, than the story of the the murder in this yeah. case. And it's so funny in talking about it, it'd be so easy to say just a couple things that it's like, no, 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 experience this as a true unfolding mystery. You really should mm. let, let the documentary take you through because there's a, there's a, 
uh, a growing sense of of what you know what really happened and um, who's involved and all that stuff that I think you kind of have to experience and the way it ties into these greater issues that you're talking about, Steve, is really heartbreaking. Um, yeah, and uh, and uh, you know scary in the in the real world sense of like this is a terrible problem that that we clearly are uh, are you know never going to stop wrestling with in this country. <clears throat> yeah, it's crazy that busing in Boston didn't stop and till like late 80s like that mm-hmm. makes i mm-hmm. you know i've i've randomly have heard people who are like our age talk about it like you think it sounds so far away like mm. oh this was like oh must have been affecting people in their 60s and 70s no no no, no. it's very real and i i know some people that have spoken about just remembering it like early early childhood stuff which is crazy. That's like a whole. Yeah. I mean, and there's a lot of that in this series. Like there's, you know, a lot, there's a really great breakdown of like the geography of Boston and, you know, like the lines between the neighborhoods and like where a certain type of kid never went and another type of kid never went, you know, another area, you know, it's just like, there's a a decent amount, especially of the first episode and each episode is it's it's kind of named the the, the sub name of the yeah. series the roots you know uh rampage and what was it well, i keep forgetting the last one um reckoning so like you know they kind of breaks down with those in each episode but yeah the first specifically kind of getting into the idea of the history of boston and the busing you know era and um you know, just basically like uh, the shifts in political nature of the city, you know, at least in terms of leaning, you know, more conservative to liberal. And, um, you know, there there was a piece of the last episode. Again, this is I don't want to talk about the show too much, except to just re- really highly recommend it. It's very timely. It just ended this week. So you can go check it. And I feel like people are starting to talk more about it. But there's a one of the interviews towards the end of the final episode. There's a. a a conversation just basically like and ideas of, of how the city is changing or the country may be changing in small little steps. Mm. Um, there's like just a line of dialogue yeah. that, a, that a black man says as you see a clip of Boston's new mayor being sworn in where he basically just says like it's the first time that it's like a, not a white, Italian, Irish, Catholic man that's Ooh. run this city. And that it gave me cold chills watching it and even just saying it out loud again and seeing the clip of her accept that position. Yeah. Uh, and it's an Asian woman, you know, and it, it just it was just crazy, especially going through the three episodes and learning so much and being exposed so much of this story. Him saying that and seeing the emotion come over him as he says that in the show is moving enough. But thinking about the greater scheme and the big scope of what that means to the people of that city who have, you know, lived under those five categories that I just named right. since its inception is absolutely insane, you that know, is. and it's like you you easily forget that. And uh, the show does an incredible job of not letting you ever forget it again. And uh, I, I feel changed a bit watching that series, to be honest with you, um, so. especially learning about that city more um, and that case. But, yeah. It's great. It's a murder in Boston, three-part series. It's on Max right now. All three episodes are out. 
Yeah, the, the the standard now for a, a true crime series is three episodes. Doesn't it seem like everybody's yeah, doing yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is probably pretty smart because that yeah. that is where a lot I of them so. fall apart. Is uh, you know um, you don't need a two and a half hour movie, but that same amount of content spread over three episodes feels good. I would even say, I thought you were talking about a different exchange. There's like cross-cutting between two interviews right at the very end of the thing that I think is some, some of the most powerful stuff that they have and it's almost like they know they And got it's the it. same it's the same, it's the same man that we're yeah. talking about. Yes. Yeah, the yes. same oh, wow. the same interviewers talking about the political change and the John, John the kind John of back and forth saying. with like there's there's a cop who was like, you know, sort of representing kind of evil almost in a sense in this in yeah, this documentary yeah, yeah. who's like, this isn't my city anymore. It's changed. Right. But, 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 but his view of it versus the, you know, the sort of more progressive view. And it's a nice sure. note to end the doc on because it actually feels sort of strident and, and, and tough minded, but also somewhat, if not hopeful, somewhere in that track of like, you can't, the, you know these old ways, these these old divisions. They they on in some way they are dying out. You know, and it, it just is painful, and it's yeah. a, it's a torturous process. Um, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> what else have you guys watched, Ronald? Have you watched anything else? Yes. One thing I did want Let to talk hear. about. It's crazy because we were talking about Stephen Graham because I'm I'm watching something involving him. Uh, that he could be that character in the remake of the uh, is that his name Stephen Graham. Yeah. Yes, Stephen Graham. Yeah, the yeah. Okay. Friday. Sure. Oh, I I got real scared. Just I was like, <laughs> I, did I mishear that? Uh, okay, so um, the movie Boiling Point, one of my oh, favorite movies yeah. of two thousand one. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. great. Have you seen the TV show? You know, it's funny when I looked him up to see what like he had been in with Guy Ritchie. I saw a Boiling Point TV series. No clue that existed. So it just came out this year. It follows Crazy. the events of the show. So, you know. Wait, the, wait, 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 wait. It, after the movie? Yeah, after the movie. Oh, oh after the so movie. So when yeah. he has the, you remember, so I don't, it doesn't give anything away. He has a heart attack at the end yeah. of the movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it follows the restaurant and him after the events of that. Like, it's a direct it's it's cool. almost like a part two almost. Oh, cool. Um, cool. so they don't commit to one shots like the the for, for those listening, the 2021 movie was one continuous shot, a masterpiece of a movie. This does not do that. Although the first maybe 15 minutes of the first episode are one continuous shot, and then they're like, fuck that. We're gonna <laughs> we have to do some <laughs> we have to show some perspective and cut and um, but it's really it's just as intense. Um, they get into the all the characters from the show and then nice. they introduce some some new characters that are like uh, have been kind of maybe in the background. Some people that just got jobs there and their struggles outside of the the um, the work environment. It's a cool show, man. And I'm I think it's four episodes. I'm on the second and I know it's the same crew it's the same um production company that did the movie so it's what is it on like where can you watch it uh is bbc it i think you should watch okay. it on bbc one I, 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 so bbc usa us or whatever they call the, the the american one i think that they have the they have them on there um but if you can't find it on there i know a place that you can see it but <laughs> it is it is i'm pretty sure it's accessible on bbc america pretty sure and if, you know, and going back to the movie, if you haven't seen Boiling Point, like Ron said, it's from a couple of years ago. It's great. Um, and for our Roku heads out there, it's free on the Roku channel. Oh, <laughs> yeah. 
if you want to catch really up cool. on it. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, funny yeah. the Stephen Graham connection, uh, saying that there, he that he seemed to be maybe dying of a heart attack at the end of the movie, and then they continued the story. <laughs> there was a proposed sequel to The Long Good Friday. Oh wow! Oh, wow. That 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 in, that said that in the opening scene he escapes from the car that he's in, at, watch and, that. and then continues. No, 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 no. I mean, the, but you know. Then it never went beyond the scripting stage. Yeah. Um, the, the the director or writer, I can't remember who it was. I think it may have been the director. What was Barry Keefe? Was that his name? Um, All I'm hearing, John, is that Movie Studios uh, has our next <laughs> well 2024 I mean, slate. Let, let's um, find that and option it. The uh, good feelers well, out to Stephen right now. <laughs> but they basically said that like it just didn't come together and then in in what does he say in some ways i'm glad we didn't because sequels are usually diminishing returns to put it up there with casablanca no one wants casablanca too um so it's, i mean i do think there's some truth to that with like sequels you know like some movies are better without a sequel but here's the funny thing this is the the name of it was black easter monday that oh, was the black. that was the proposed name of the script um the oh so, a black easter Set 20 years after the events of the first film, it opened with Bob Hoskins' character escaping from the IR after the car was pulled over. Okay, so yeah, I guess it... Oh, he goes to Jamaica, and then pr- problems follow him there, I oh. suppose. So <laughs> It just sounds like a bunch of racism will follow. Yeah, it sounds like an excuse. It sounds like the, it's like 20 years later, he was like, you know, the first movie actually wasn't racist enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. I can bet you saying, Jamaican me sick of you. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Harold Shand is a great name, though. Harry Shand or Harold Shand is. is his character's name. It does. It's, I, oh, I feel like man. I've heard a reference to that character. So I do think that there's probably uh, an iconic quality. But I just think that's an interesting thing is that the Stephen Graham connection continues, that there was a... Uh, there it a, is. A sequel, uh, at least they had the idea for a sequel that seems to undo the sort of suggestion mm. of death at the end of the, right, right, the right. first one. Anything else, guys? John, anything no. you want to throw in there? Nothing. No, we're running long, so I'll just save any thoughts I have for a future episode. Well, there it is. Uh, Moviesmovie.com is the website. Uh, YouTube.com slash Podcast if you want the video option of the pod. Uh, we'll be off next week. We will have an episode of, uh, what, what do we call that? Shmovie Replay? Shmovie Replay, I think, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Shmovie Replay. Uh, we're going to go back to one of our Bah Humbug episodes and have that playing next week, just in time for the holidays. Uh, but we will be back in the new year with a new episode of the podcast and hopefully some reviews of some new movies that came out over the holidays. Um, you guys good? Anything else you want to mention before we uh, head out of here? Not right, I. Cool. In that case, as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.